listening to Songbones Podcast, where we get to the real and go to the deep with grassroots singer-songwriters. I'm Michelle McAfee. In this episode, I talk with harmonica extraordinaire Bob Beach about life as a working musician, raising a daughter, losing a friend, and trying on a different hat for a while. His musical story spans eras, decades, multiple bands, many challenges, and as Bob says, it always comes back to music. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, Chickadee Remedy, handmade, high-quality hemp salve that is the best-kept secret in the medicine cabinet. Go to chickadeeremedy.com and welcome to Episode 7. Thank you so much for joining me, Bob. And this is super fun for me because I met you through David Jacob Strain, who you're in a duo with and who you tour around the country with. Um, And you are also our first East Coast guest on Songbones podcast. So uh, representing East Coast. Um, but it's it's cool because I did, I don't know your backstory. I just know you as a friend and a fellow musician and through David. So where did you meet David? I met David at the Philadelphia Folk Festival in 2002. Uh, it was his first time at the Folk Festival. And it was also my first time at the Folk Festival. So I was a little kid. <laughs> yeah, He was 17 or something like that, if, wow. if he was that. And, uh, well, I, I do tell him that when I met him, I was three times his age, but now it's, I'm only twice his age. Wait a minute. So how does that, that work? Know, do the math. It works out. <laughs> it works out. Uh, uh, David would come through town and, and I'd play a little bit with him or I did a house, con- I have a house concert series that I've run since 2005 and, um, he would play some of those shows, and he had me sit in. And eventually, uh, I think it was 2010 when he asked me to do a festival in Texas with him. I did that, and that was the first traveling thing I'd done. And since then, it's just gradually, gradually play a little bit more, a little bit more each year, into mm-hmm. where it's become. This is our job. <laughs> yeah, you two are a sight and a sound to behold. So uh, anybody out there listening, if you get a chance to check out David Jacob Strain and Bob Beach, do it, because uh, you will not be disappointed. You guys are so fun. I love your show. Thank you. Yeah, it's really cool. I've enjoyed working with David, and we were having a lot of fun with it, that's for sure. You are a working musician, and it's pretty much all you've done your whole life, right? And you have managed to carve out a life for a lot of years, just playing music as a sideman and also as a frontman with different projects. So when did you first start? When I first went to college, uh, first time away from home, I've been getting into folk music in Philadelphia when I left high school. Actually, the he's still alive, not done with a radio show anymore. Gene Shea had a radio show when I was in high school. I listened to it on Sunday night and used to hear Tom Rush and all these different, you know, different, some older, uh, some of the old blues guys and stuff like that. But it got me interested in folk music. So I went to college. I was interested in that, but I didn't, I wasn't playing an instrument. My brother had given me a harmonica 
for Christmas prior to leaving, and I took it to college with me. So I go to these uh, listening rooms they had in the student union where you go in, there were five or six different booths. There were rooms, and they'd have an album be sitting outside, and that's the album that would be playing inside that booth. Oh, cool. And you could go in, and there'd be other people there, and you'd go in, all listen to the same music, and at one time, this guy got up and said, well, you know, I'm going to start a jug band. And I said, ah, I, l- I love jug bands. I like Quiskin jug band music and all that kind of stuff. He said, do you play anything? I said, well, I have a harmonica. He said, okay, you'll be the harmonica player. So I became the harmonica player for the contingent jug band. I think we only played two or three shows. So all of a sudden, I was in a band I only had one harmonica and soon found I needed more than one. But from that band, I met another guitar player, a guy named Frank Bell, who wrote some songs and put up with me playing along with him (laughs) so I could get a sense of what the harmonica could do. And from that on, it started into a series of bands until I guess in 1969 was the first band that it that I played in where we actually tried to start making a living at it or play pretty regularly. And that band was called Madison Blue Shoes. Huh. And uh, we went to Cleveland one weekend and recorded a couple of three songs, I think. Never really did much with them, but we recorded them. And they're still on a scratchy acetate I have at home. Yeah, so that was... Uh, that was where I first, I, I, I consider 1969 the year I started becoming a professional musician. What style of music were you playing at that it time? It was mostly bands. It was a time period where you could just, we weren't trying to play bars or anything yet, but uh, we were playing a lot of college shows and things like that. And so we would do some original stuff, we'd do, but we'd do everything from a bread song to a Captain Beefheart song. We had a really strange repertoire, uh, but it was fun. And from that, we kind of developed, uh, that became another band called the DC Band. And that lasted for probably t- till from about 74 or 75 until 1980. And that was another mix of a lot of original stuff that we relocated from the college town we were in to Pittsburgh in 1976 and and became pretty popular in the city and we're working five, six nights a week. Wow. That's a lot. That's full time. Yeah, we by that time, we were definitely full time. Wow. We and were, so were you playing harmonica in this band? Or yes, mainly harmonica and flute. And flute, and, okay. And you were sharing that. vocals. Mm-hmm. wasn't always the only lead singer. There were other... Other lead singers, uh, both groups actually had three different lead singers. And you were one of them? I was one of them, yes. Wow, okay. Played a club right in the hip section of town, Walnut Street in shady side area of Pittsburgh. Uh, first we started out at the Gaslight Club. We played there for a while, and then when they closed, uh, we moved over to a place called the Raspberry Rhinoceros, or for about four years, we played every Saturday afternoon, ran a jam session every Tuesday night, and then we'd play there one or two nights the rest of the week and then go out and play a whole bunch of other places. So we were 
very busy, working a lot, having a good time. And uh, that was the DC band. It was, it was a lot of fun. Highway. And that was the single, right? That was the single. Okay. And it, it reminded a- me a little bit of Cat Stevens. Okay. Like it, you know, it had that like, I yeah. love that sound. I mean, I okay. grew up on that stuff. Ah, so nice. Yeah, it reminded and, me of uh, that. And a little side bit. It was released on Lightning Records, which was owned by Lou Christie, who was uh, a rock and roll singer in the 60s. Uh he had a big hit called Lightning Strikes. Okay, because I'm... again and again and again. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> I've heard the name, but I couldn't voice. remember what... I, yeah, I he had why. a bunch of... He had a, a number of hits. Okay. You know, kind of like a Frankie Valley type voice where he'd sing, And he had a record label up. called Lightning? He had a record label called Lightning Records. Lightning Records. And we were the first single released on it, but it didn't do anything, so... So what happened to DC? The band? The band. Uh... I think we had just kind of hit a wall. We were just doing the same stuff over and over again, and we just didn't seem to be moving any further. And it seemed that it kind of run its course. And I was interested in finding out what it'd be like to be the front man of a band and be the only one, you know, and... uh I figured it was time to really try to branch out, so I started. I started a new band called the Harps, mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately, it lasted about a year. It was a good year, but it, it didn't quite work out the way I'd hoped it would. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the band that was funky, right? Really yes, funky. Right, you played yeah. me some of that. Yeah, uh, it's the only band that I played in that are, everyone is still alive right. <laughs> from that time period. Uh, 
and the guitar player is is a great jazz guitar player now and uh yeah it was i have a very fond spot in my heart for that band yeah and it it only lasted a year. It just you lasted said? a year. Okay. Yeah, it was financially unfeasible because we were all trying to make a living, uh-huh. and it just wasn't wasn't enough to. I, in addition to being the front man of the band, I was also essentially the owner of the band, so I was paying everybody else a salary. And at some points, there'd be weeks where I wasn't making anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was still paying those guys. Mm. So it got to there just got to a point where I just couldn't continue to So even in the early eighties it was hard for a four piece band to make a living. Sure. There I mean you could in Pittsburgh through the seventies and eighties there were still a lot of places you could play. Uh, you just couldn't make all that much money. But you had to move out of the city and move away to to build a, a fan base, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's 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 always been hard. Yeah. <laughs> but don't you know I got to find find me a home, home in your heart. Well, I travel through the mountains and then the highways through the valleys and the byways just to find me a home, home in your heart. that lead you to when that band folded what did you do after that well i was kind of tossing around you know and actually it was a pretty low period of my life because when that band had finished a record came out that i had recorded with the band corbin hanner and it got into the country charts maybe up to 35 38 something like that and my position then, not having the band broke up, I had to get a job. And I was living out in the country in a log cabin with my wife. So I ended up getting a job at a newsstand in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. And my job was to get up about four o'clock in the morning. And by the way, at the time, my wife was a, a bartender in Pittsburgh. So she'd be getting home about three o'clock. I'd be getting up about four o'clock. Oh man! <laughs> and That's then tough. going in, I'd I'd go in, I'd get the newspapers and take them to all the paper boys' houses, and then I'd come back in and open a store for the people who were going to work and coming in to get their newspapers and magazines and stuff like that. And my biggest memory of that job is this song hit. And the local country radio station, which we always played in the background at the store, 
would play that song every morning. <laughs> and here I was, not playing music anymore, having a problem, having marital problems, because you know, it's seven years and we're just, you know, things are just not going great. And I'm in this store making five or six dollars an hour and I'm hearing myself on the radio every morning. What's wrong with this picture? Yeah, right? (laughs) Wow. uh, It it was pretty depressing. Wow, no kidding. So when did you get married? I got married in 1974. My wife and got married in 74. It was... uh, you guys have been together a long time. We have been together a long time. Uh, we and and the novel thing about our our marriage and wedding. We decided one weekend to get married. Uh, we called the Justice of the Peace in the next town down, Homer City, Pennsylvania. Went there with a couple friends and my lawyer, and uh, got married. <laughs> And my lawyer took us all out to lunch that day, and then we drove around northeastern United States for the next two weeks on a so-called honeymoon. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I told each of our parents we were going to visit them on a particular Sunday if they wanted to have a party. That was fine with us. (laughs) They both had parties. We got lots of wedding gifts. (laughs) That sounds fun. It was a fun. Yeah, it was fun. And it <laughs> wow. Well, nobody can see me because obviously you're listening right now, but um, I'm saluting your wife for being <laughs> married to a musician this many years. I and, salute uh, her as well. <laughs> but it's, it's the, it's, she is the reason I have been able to be a musician for wow. all these years. Uh, mm-hmm. Keep the home fires burning. Wow. And you have a daughter too, right? I have a daughter. Our daughter daughter was born in 1987. Okay. And we spent, uh, she was born in Pittsburgh. We were still there. Ten years later, we moved to Philadelphia Mm -hmm. in in 97. Right on. And I would uh, just play locally because I stayed home to raise her. My my wife worked. What was that like being a parent and being a musician? At the same time. Was it easier, do you think? Or? In one word, tiring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wouldn't get a lot of sleep because mm. I'd be playing in the bars at night mm-hmm. and I'd get home two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. My life, wife would leave probably at seven, so I'd have to be up then mm-hmm. to take care of my daughter during the day, you know, and she was working in the city. Uh-huh. So, it uh, it was rough as I look back on it. I mean, it was pretty. I mean, we had a we had bought a a little farm, it was about five acres. We had a couple of horses back in the at a little barn in the backyard, and a couple of horses there. And I uh, I remember just with my daughter, I'd put her down for a nap and everything. I'd take the baby monitor with me and go down and shovel the Shovel the horse horse stalls Whoa. <laughs> and listen and hope she didn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow! So you had your hands full. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Um, but you know, it was it was good stuff. Mm-hmm. You think back on it. Yeah, it was fine. It was great. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so American music, mm -hmm. and that led to the DC band. No, the, that was after the DC band. Oh, that was after the no, DC band. That was band. after the DC band. A, a DC band, and then when a DC band broke up, I started the Harps. Well, the, actually, the DC band didn't broke up. I left. DC band continued for a while after that. But uh, I started the Harps, and then after the Harps, eventually was the Dixie Dogs, which morphed into American music. Oh, okay. And when American music started, DC was in that band with me. Okay. But then DC Fitzgerald. He, yes, right. DC okay. Fitzgerald. But he left her after a time, and then a few years later, we st uh, we st started recording some things together as a duo. Okay. Yeah, that was kind. That duo was Fitzgerald and Beach. Put our first album out in 1996, and we recorded four albums after that. One was a gospel type album. Uh, the last album was on a label, uh, Bone Dog Records was the name of the label. I love <laughs> the all label. these names. That's great. And, and based in Pittsburgh. And it was the first album we'd ever done that we actually had a label finance it and do all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it was I was very proud of that record. There was some, some good stuff on there. Mm -hmm. uh, but then in that came out in 2000, early 2006 and... In November of 2006, DC passed away. Mm. Oh wow! And uh, this is before they really had good ways of preventing, or you know, I don't know if it's curing. I guess curing Hep C. Mm -hmm. And it just uh, it ran its course on him. He couldn't, you know, he used to have these little bouts and go to the hospital and then recover and he'd be okay. We'd go back out the road for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But this was one that was just, it was more, he just was unable to recover from this time. Mm. You set my heart a whirling, darling, when you're twirling on the floor. And who cares about tomorrow? What more is tomorrow than another day? And you swept me away. Yeah, you swept me away. I see the end of the rainbow. So all this was, all this stuff was going on, the babies growing up, I'm playing in bands, and my wife was working and everything. One day, after I had mowed a whole bunch of the yard, I, my legs had ached like they had never ached before. And uh, about a week later, they still felt the same way, so I was a little concerned. I finally I went to a doctor and they gave me some muscle relaxers and sent me home, but did, did some blood work. Two days later, they called me and said, stop taking the muscle relaxers and come on in. And this is what's going on. Basically what they said, that you have a tumor on your pituitary gland. Whoa. And I said, really? <laughs> I said, uh, what do I need to do? He said, well, we have to do surgery, take it out. 
I said, uh, what if I don't? He said, you'll die. Whoa. I said, holy, holy shit. <laughs> uh, the pituitary gland is at the base of your brain. The method they normally used was to go in above your lip and I said, that's crazy, man. I'll, I'll be, I won't be able to play, you know, all this kind of... Oh, right. Oh. Uh, and we were able to find another doctor who said, no, I can just go back through the back of your nose and punch a hole back, and then we'll go back and pull it out from there. So they go right through your brain? You go... Into the nose cavity? The back of the nose, yeah. It goes right to the back of your brain, yeah. So they send something through the center of your brain yeah. to pull uh-huh. that out? It's it goes up. It's not through the brain, but it's under. It's around. It's like underneath the brain. Oh, I see. Brain. Okay. You know, there's a little passageway that goes back there to the pituitary gland, Whoa. and they can cut it out and take it out, which was pretty scary. But you know, I mean, it was an eight-hour surgery, I think. Whoa. And uh, I was terrifying. pretty scared. Terrifying. Yeah. I was pretty scared, but I, I went through with it, and uh, you know. They got it, most of it. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, it turns I've had three surgeries for it. Yeah, the three surgeries, but, you know, they can never get all quite all of it. And they need to, um, well, it's just they have to do it again sometimes. Wow. And the, the last time I had surgery, maybe, well, I had it, in, had it again in 2001, and I had it again. I didn't have it for a long time. I think it... About five years ago, I had it again. And then they said, well, they, we didn't get it all. We want to go back in. <laughs> uh, we said, nah. Because, wow. uh, anyway, I didn't even um, know that, Bob. Uh, two years ago, I had radiation treatments for it. Wow. And it seemed to have, it's not, it's not going to get rid of it. It's supposed to stop it so it doesn't grow anymore. Uh-huh. It's also not a death sentence anymore. Uh-huh. It's just, if left untouched, I'd just eventually, I'd eventually lose my eyesight, but it wouldn't kill me. Oh, wow. Okay. So anyway, that's... Uh, but in 1995, wow. that was... I have, a, at that point, an eight-year-old daughter. And uh, I was just pretty scared at that point. And I think that's part of why, because I talked about later I went to... Uh, to seminary and theology. At that point, uh, I started thinking more about life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> life yeah. and what all was there. And I, I got involved in the church a little bit, and that's when I, I went on that mission trip to, to Africa in 97. Oh, okay. Malawi, you know, right. Malawi, okay. yeah. And uh, that, was, uh, that was an eye-opener for me. Just, you know, it was a big break from, from what I had known in Pittsburgh for 21 years and the bands I had played with and the music that I had done and everything. So I was looking for something else, and I got more involved with the church at that point. Uh, and I ended up going back to school, and, and that's where I got. And then I got the theology degree, and then years later thought about getting more than that, but it just, it's all, always come back to music. Mm-hmm. No matter what I've done, it always comes back to music. Mm-hmm. One, you know, finally, I just admitted at one point. Well, that's what I got to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So you never practiced as a chaplain or or held a I, church down? I did an intern, uh, what they call it, CPE, chaplain. Uh, I forget what those initials were for, but it's mm-hmm. it's certification. Yeah. Uh, and I did a year of that in a in a in a center city hospital mm. in Philadelphia, and it was pretty rough. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably that was part of me deciding not not to go into the ministry of any sort. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't know that I was strong enough. Mm. I don't know if that was really uh, where I could give of my my best. Mm-hmm. I know I can musically. You know, I wasn't sure yeah. if I could do that otherwise and have enough left for myself. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know. And so music called you back from that path. And what did that look like, that calling going back to music? How did that pull you back in? Uh, well, like uh, I, music never was not there. Mm-hmm. It was always there. I mean, even when I was I was doing that, I had a church band. I was playing music in a church band, and I didn't want that to just be praise music or anything. So we 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 took chances. Mm-hmm. We'd uh, we did uh, Neil Diamond's "I'm a Believer." We did it. Uh, we changed a few words. So that it was about God, and we did Marvin Gaye's uh, "How Sweet It Is to oh, Be Loved yeah. by You," you know, and and we do some other things like that. And sometimes we got in a little trouble for it. Sometimes uh-huh. we didn't, you know. It's just, uh, and we we would we would do a lot of different styles in this in this uh, this band. It was, this band was called First Light. Mm. To their credit, they included us in the music and as long as we were a viable band we would we would play every week you know mm, there was wow. uh through people moving away and, and different things like that we really aren't all that viable anymore but uh we still occasionally will do a do a fill in for a couple of songs on a, on a sunday oh cool just to do that yeah the one thing that really strikes me about your playing um as you you just have deep groove and you play really complex rhythmic patterns and and it's it's not like anything i've heard anybody do on harmonica would you want to play yeah play a little bit yeah i'll do this is uh probably one of the earlier things i i recorded it i actually multi-tracked harmonica on it and everything but this mm-hmm. is uh <clears throat> kind of a, a version of that. We'll stick out your can. Here come a garbage man. We'll stick out your can. Here come a garbage man. Here come a garbage man. Stick out your camera. Well, early in the morning, I hear them moving about. I know that it's the garbage man. I can hear them kicking them out. Well, stick out your camera. Become a garbage man. 
We'll stick out your count. Become a garbage man. Become a garbage man. Stick out your count. Now I've got to separate plastics from the can. The papers from the aluminum. For the recycling man, we'll stick out your count. Become a garbage man. We'll stick out your count. Become a garbage man. Become a garbage man. Stick out your can. Become a garbage man. We'll stick out your count. Become a garbage man. Become a garbage man. Stick out your count. I said, stick out your count. I said, stick out your count. Become a garbage man. I never knew such a tiny instrument could do so much until I heard Bob Beach play. The man has been married over 40 years and has mostly played music for a living his entire life. In today's freelance gig economy, where hustle is the name of the game, Bob's accomplishments are mighty. I asked him if he's happy or satisfied with where his career and life have taken him. It's interesting. There's a song that David and I did that was written by Ben Bachner. Mm. It's called Big League Dreams. Uh, and there's a line in there, I think, seasons become years and years become careers. Mm. Ooh, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, but, yeah, I mean, and that song is all about being in the minor leagues and having that one chance in the majors and the one chance in... It, it just doesn't quite work. And, you know, it's not exactly not an analogy for my, <laughs> my career. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been at it for years and years, and there were times when it was just it's almost there. You could almost grab it, but didn't quite do it. But you still, you still stayed in there. You still worked. You still mm-hmm. made a living. Do you- raised the family. Uh, you know... Do you think if if one of those times you had grabbed that gold ring of music, do you think you would have loved it? I have no much? idea. Actually, thinking about it now, probably not. Why? I might not have survived it. Why? Why? 
I might not have survived it because, I mean, uh, to be honest, back in the days when we were rocking and stuff, we were also doing a lot of cocaine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of the drug of choice at the time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, there are times, like I, I, I used to drive to and from gigs all the time and not in the best of shape. Mm-hmm. The fact that I'm still alive and never had an accident is just like, whoa, how'd that ever happen? Yeah. And, wow. you know, uh, so had, I, I, I don't know how I would have reacted to it. You know, you just, mm-hmm. uh, I like to think, oh, yeah, I'd be able to take everything in stride. But, you know, my marriage might not have lasted. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, friendships might not have lasted. You know, there's a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You just that money, money and fame doesn't get you everything. But I have a wonderful daughter and I have a wonderful wife. Mm-hmm. And I have a fairly secure income now. So mm-hmm. uh, I so didn't do too bad. What are What is the thing or what are the things that you have loved the most about this lifestyle, about about your life as a full-time musician? Right now, uh, while I don't love sitting in the car for five to 10 hours in a, at, a, at a, a slot, I do enjoy getting up in, on a stage and even if there's only you know twenty or thirty people there, I really enjoy making them smile. I uh, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel successful. Uh, I like the fact that you know I get to play music that no one else is playing. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to a point in my life where I'm not solely dependent on what I make, uh, but I still want to keep doing it and I still need to keep doing it uh, because it's what I do best. And I feel really good to be able to go out there and give people my best on a regular basis. It's good medicine, yeah. Yeah, better than that cocaine crap. Yeah, <laughs> right. Thank you so much. You well, teared me you. up. <laughs> that was wonderful. Oh, thank you. Feels like a real honor to sit here well, and you. hear your story and um, your stories. You have so many wonderful stories. I feel like that heart really comes through in your playing. And I'm just, I'm really grateful that you are on the planet playing music for us Thank because uh, we need more of that in this world. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Bob. Well, thank you, Michelle. Thanks for hanging out with us and listening to Episode 7 of Songbones Podcast. You can find out more about Bob Beach on his website, bobbeach.net, 
And if you head over to songbones.com, you can get your hands on our print or digital magazine, check out new releases or the blog, and see a live performance video of Bob on the Spotlight page. And if you have aches and pains, write this down, chickadyremedy.com, the handmade, high-quality hemp salve to cure what ails you. See you next month.